to the Renzo Republic. Welcome back to another episode of the Remso Republic. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. So, things are about to steam up with the election and everything else going on in the country. I know for those of you that have been listening for the last month or so, the biggest thing that I've been hitting is culture and messaging. How do we get out the ideas of liberty? And for the most part, even I agree with some of you, as I've been getting messages and feedback, I, I do also agree that I might be beating this subject to death kind of like beating a dead horse, if you will. So tonight, I want to kind of take a spin on things, but at the same time, I kind of want to bring this whole thing to an end, because I don't really think there's much more I could say. There's not more I can really do. I mean, I'm not necessarily trying to recreate the wheel or anything, but this was something that I felt that I needed to do to lay out the foundation for everything else going forward. And to do that, I've brought on the lovely voice of reason from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, Heather Nixon, into the show to talk about this tonight. Heather, how's it going? It's going very well. Thank you very much, Remzo. Thank not you for a, having me. Not a problem at all. It's a blast to have you on. So when I was on your show a little while back, one of the things that we talked about was that I came into libertarianism from the right. You came into libertarianism from the left. Yes, Am sir. I right? Yeah, that's that's a really amazing thing. And I don't necessarily think people really talk about that a lot. Everyone, I don't, I don't really think I've ever met someone that was a libertarian from birth. I don't really think I've ever met anyone that can say they had two libertarian parents. They lived in a very libertarian community. I think a lot of people have come in from the left and from the right. But what's important to understand is how they got to that point. So... I'm just curious, Heather, how did you actually become a libertarian? Um, well, my my progression was very slow. Uh, as you said, I started uh, from the left. I was a Democrat. I grew up in the Northwest, in Tacoma, uh, in Washington State. It's a very liberal state. Um, and I was, you know, I grew up hung out with bands, artists, and the idea of, you know, socialism, taking care of each other, that all sounded really cool and a beautiful idea. We're all going to take care of each other. And as I grew older and I had kids, uh, got married, owned homes, and I started to see, you know, how much money the government was taking from us, uh, the how our school system was being ran, just being becoming an adult and becoming part of the process, I started to be disenchanted with how things were being run by the powers that be. Uh, And then, like I said, I think even up to like, you know, when Hillary was first running, the whole idea of a a female president uh, struck me as, oh yeah, you know, girl power and it's about time. Because I I thought I was uh, politically involved to put Looking back on it, it was very superficial, just watching the news, not really paying attention to what our government, our local government was up to. And like I said, my ideas were changing, but it wasn't until I met Johnny that I first heard the word libertarianism. Uh, I was not part of like the big Ron Paul movement because he was running as a Republican. And as I try and point out uh, to many of our Washington state libertarians, our LPWA that 
when you are on the left and they start talking about Ron Paul, well, if you're a Democrat, you're not paying attention to what's going on to what's going on on the right because you're anti. The Republicans are the bad guy. So even if the message is absolutely fantastic, you already have it blocked out because they are the evil tyrant in your mind. That that makes sense. And that's kind of like how I was for the longest time. I grew up a conservative for the most part. I mean, as a teenager, I just thought I was a Republican because that's what my parents were. That's what most of my friends were. I didn't necessarily ever look at the left as anything, as you put it, as just the bad guys. And for me, I think I was not necessarily converted by Ron Paul necessarily, but Ron Paul got me thinking in 2012. And then Mm -hmm. from there, I got into it with Ayn Rand, and I heard about Gary Johnson and all these other things. And I slowly came into that point. But I think one of the similarities between you and I, seeing how we came into this same type of movement from two ideologically different worldviews was the fact that the Republicans, they always come off as saying we're fiscally responsible. For me, I understood pretty early on, even in high school, as people were talking about Social Security, and that wasn't necessarily, you know, the hot topic on school or anything, but Social Security, I, I think a lot of people my age just knew that that was really just a dead topic because no matter who became president, we were never going to get it. Mm-hmm. In terms of war, um, you know, with all our conflicts overseas, even I understood that the more we got involved, the more money we were spending. And as we were attacking the Democrats constantly for being irresponsible with money, uh, all I had to do was open a history book and ask, when was the last time Republicans ever did anything financially responsible? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that, you know, coming from the left and, and being a female, I'm going to be stereotypical, we tend to focus more on social issues, especially if we have children. And so things like war or, you know, the, the social, how the social system, how it's set up, it is more important than, uh, fiscal issues, uh, the economy. We, you know, I didn't really pay that much attention and I certainly didn't know very much about it. And I'm still trying to educate myself more about it all the time. And one of the things I think that is really important to note, uh, when I talk to libertarians and, and they're, they're the question is, why aren't there more women in the libertarian party? Because sometimes we come off as very cold. Sometimes when we talk about ending social programs or, you know, ending the Department of Education, when you don't understand the, the deep of, of what's really going on beside, behind the scenes, that just comes off as as though we want people to hurt and we want people to starve and we don't care about the world. And, and we need, I think, to change the way that we speak. We need to stop and think about what words mean to people. I mean, having, you know, I, I grew up, I was 10 when uh, Ronald Reagan was elected. And so Republicans, they, to me, were big government. Uh, they wanted to go to war, you know, Daddy Bush, you know, they wanted to regulate morality. And and so, again, being a, a woman on the left and, you know, wanting to feel empowered when someone is trying to tell you what to do with your body or if somebody's anti-gay and you have lots of gay friends because that's the world you live in, you, you just automatically shut them out. And so, like I said, the word conservative 
becomes a bad word to someone like me, especially in my generation. Okay. I'm just curious because this thought just keeps popping into my head. You brought up how more of the social issues appeal to the left. Mm -hmm. After Bernie Sanders dropped out and endorsed the beast known as Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. one of the first things that Gary Johnson did was he released a commercial. And in that commercial, he said, I'm the pro candidate for ending the drug war. I'm the candidate that wants to stop massive state surveillance. I'm the candidate that wants to reinstall all these civil liberties and get government out of your life and all this stuff. I think he was really hitting the idea that we can bring more people from the left into our movement if we can at least agree on a big chunk of the civil liberties issue. And I I believe that for the most part, maybe not as much as others. A lot of people were banking on it, but that seemed to be something we did. And I don't know if it's maybe a change in what progressivism has been from, let's say, 2001 to what it is now, but... For me, it's like a lot of these Bernie Sanders supporters that don't want to vote for Hillary, that just they're, they're going crazy right now. For a lot of them, it just seems that they just wanted all the free stuff that the government planned on giving them if Bernie had been elected. Do you think that's true or false? Do you think it's maybe been a change in the left the last couple of years? What are your thoughts on that? I, I definitely think that's a part of it because, you know, going back to, you know, I'm older than you are at that to me, you know, cause I remember, you know, in the reruns and you see like the hippies and, and the protests and, and that's what a Democrat kind of meant the anti-war and let's take care of people. Um, but I think there's definitely been a shift in that. And although I think the sentiment is there for the people, uh, that has really been a way for the government and the politicians in charge to use that as a way to, you know, take more of our money, to pass legislation, the, to control more of our lives. And a lot of people like that safety net. They want to feel secure. They want to feel safe. And a lot of it, and, you know, especially with, you know, I have a 28 year old daughter, so I am familiar with millennials, the entitlement I should just be taken care of. And having been, I will admit, when I was 17, I was a teenage welfare mom, so I lived on the system, and I had no idea that I was taking other people's money. Well, I went full circle and ended up being an employee at the Department of Social and Health Services (laughs) uh, doing intake for benefits, and and I was seeing uh, those people and their point of view, and it's it's a scary world that people just, they have their hand out. They don't want to work. They want to know how little they can work, that they have to work in order to be eligible for benefits, you know, free phones, uh, getting their power bill paid. It, it runs the gamut. Wow. Heather, I want to talk a little bit more about your experience in that, but first we're going to go ahead and listen to a couple of words from our sponsors. P- folks, you're listening to the Remsor Republic. Hang on tight. And we'll be back in a moment. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Ribs of the Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. When did failure become sexy? When did repeating the same mistake over and over again sound smart? 
I'm Lucy Brenton, candidate for U.S. Senate, and like you, I'm worried about the future of our country. I've taught my children simple principles, which our government has forgotten. Live within your budget. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. We remember those simple kindergarten rules. Isn't it time our government does? To learn more, check out my website, lucyforsenate.com. That's lucyforsenate.com. Join me and make your vote count on November 8th. My name is Lucy Brenton, and I approve this message. What's our problem with messaging the ideas of liberty? Is it the ideas? Is it the people? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's the fact that we're just not doing it in a smart type of way. This is where the Libertarian Youth Caucus comes in. The Libertarian Youth Caucus represents the millennial wing of the Libertarian Party. They're trying to expand the party base while finding new ways to communicate simple, timeless principles such as open minds and free markets. What we need to know is how to find the next generation of voters and make them vote for liberty. We can have a smaller government and a freer economy in our lifetime. And I believe that if we want to help invest in the Libertarian Party, the best way to do so is with the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Learn more about them today at lyc.silkstart.com. That's lyc.silkstart.com. This message is approved by the Libertarian Youth Caucus. show. Heather, you brought up how you kind of went full circle in your life and ended up working at a welfare office. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious. We, we brought up earlier how when Gary Johnson tried to appeal to liberals, he brought up the social issues concept. He brought up the civil liberties concept. I, I'm just curious. Is this mentality amongst people that are usually pro-progressive, they're pro-democrat. Is this, do you think in their minds it's more of a let's take care of everyone, let's use the state to take care of everyone, or do you think it's more of a I just need to take care of me mentality? Because I never necessarily understood the concept growing up that we can use the government as a nanny state to take care of your house, your phones, everything. Do you think it's necessarily that people just want everyone to be taken care of, or people just want their lives to be easier? I, I, I really honestly think it, there's a split because I know many, many people, whether they worked in the social services industry for the state or the private sector or just many of, of my friends that I grew up with on the left who, you know, they look at countries in Europe and, and are all for being taxed, you know, 50, 60% if that means that people are taken care of and, and, you know, they get their three weeks off and their health care is covered and every, and their daycare is covered. So they really believe that everyone should be taken care of. And then I think there's a, a large part of the population that just thinks they should be taken care of. You know, I dealt with a lot of people who their life's mission was to get on social security, social security disability. And if they 
and, and it's hard work to get on social security disability. If they had put that effort into a career, they'd be freaking millionaires. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I think, I think that's a pretty good point. I mean, um, I, I just, I don't get how certain people on the left think, and I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm just saying that there's either an ignorant part of me or I just haven't done enough work to understand that, but it's the, it's the entitlement mentality that you have. I mean, I was, I think I was a target of the left growing up, despite the fact that I had both parents at home, both my parents are college educated. My dad had a great career. My mom, you know, she homeschooled us for a little bit and I grew up in a Christian conservative family, but because I was a young teen male for the most part, my name is Remso Martinez and for the most part growing up in the South, they always thought I was Mexican. I was usually kind of lumped into the categories of Latinos, you know, whether it was Colombians or El Salvadorians or Mexicans or Puerto Ricans, whenever there was any major school function, typically whenever it came to, um, you know, financial aid, all those type of things that were going on at school. So I had an idea of how that was. And for the most part, I think one of the reasons, because I thought about, you know, as I, as I started to understand politics more, it's like, okay, what, what is the real difference between a Democrat and a Republican? As I started to really look into that, I think the thing that just shocked me was the fact that I saw what was happening to people as they left high school, as they went on the dole, as they went on all these different entitlement programs. And I understood that for myself, if I wanted to not end up in their situation, I had to be a libertarian because the Republicans weren't necessarily going to uh, ever do anything to help people like me because they were just in bed with corporations and everything else. And as far as the Democrats go, all those social programs, they weren't necessarily meant to help pull people out of destitution and poverty. It was meant to keep them in. Yeah. And, and you know, I think you and I, and a lot of libertarians understand that, but I don't think that the majority of people truly understand uh, how the system is actually keeping them down, how it has broken up families over the years, um, increased divorce rates. And I also blame the women's movement. Uh, uh-oh, feminists are going to get mad at me. Oh, you're going to get like a severed horse head in the mail. Yeah, absolutely. But And I think that the feminist movement uh, also attributes to that victim mentality where Women say they want to be equal because they, you know, that we are equal and we're just as capable of it, but yet they want laws and legislation created to make it mandatory. Whereas if you truly are equal, you don't need anybody to make rules. You just would accomplish and do it on your own merit. Yeah, that's, I, I, I agree with you. And the thing that always confused me about feminism was there was always, it, it was, it was, it was always done under the banner of equality, but when it came to the really difficult things, such as the draft, mm-hmm. they threw equality out the window. Mm-hmm. When it came to many things, you know, when it came to um, divorce proceedings and all the other stuff, I just I don't understand the seduction of feminism to certain people, and I've saw, I've seen this throughout my life. People who are very staunch feminists, you know, I have a aunt in my family who's kind of a Marxist and. She's a hardcore feminist. I mean, it just, I, I don't understand the seduction of feminism. Maybe, maybe you can explain it to me because I still can't wrap my head around it. 
Well, I am a, I'm a fir- firm believer in, you know, first wave feminism, the suffragettes, they, they, they were fighting just for basic things, you know, the right to vote, to own property, um, not to get beaten and raped by your husband, be, to be able to be employed so that you have an out if you're in a, an abusive relationship, because they really had no power. Um, I know a lot of people blame the, the, the suffrage movement and feminists for prohibition, but really they were ex- exerting the only power they had, which was using the church and their morality, because, you know, if you have a drunk husband who spends his paycheck and you're home with the kids and they're starving and you can't go get, get a job, what else are you going to do? So I think the the movement started because women had no power. Um, and then, you know, when you go into the 60s, where women up until the early 70s, women couldn't even get credit on their own if they were married. It had to be applied for under their husband's name. Um, you know, they couldn't get into certain colleges. So there was a definite need for first and second wave feminism. What I have an issue with is the third wave, the feminazis who believe that men are evil, that we, we here in the Western culture, we live in a rape culture. Um, you know, they, they blame every, you know, like it's the patriarchy, uh, controlling us through air conditioning at work. Whereas, well, you know, men wear suits to work because that's the attire and you want to go to work in a tank top and strappy sandals. Yeah. You might be freaking cold. So put on some clothes. It's, it's, (laughs) They, they take it to the extreme and they don't want equality. Those feminazis, the third wave, they really want superiority because they have demonized men, uh, especially white males. I mean, since when is being a white male a bad thing? I mean, just, uh, you know, I, it, it is beyond <laughs> me. You know, uh. and, you know, and then the double standard. And then when you talk about the draft, absolutely, that's a double standard. And we see in the libertarian movement, as that issue came up, it always goes to, well, we just shouldn't have a draft. Well, sure, in the libertarian utopia, we would have no draft. But right now, we do have a draft. And if women are equal, they should be included in that. So, yeah, in goal, get rid of the draft. But right now, you don't get to be excluded because you have a vagina. It's just not right. Either you're equal or you're not. Bam. There you go. <laughs> okay, Heather, we're going to wrap up the show. But first, we're going to go ahead and take a final word from our sponsors. Folks, hang on tight. We'll be back in a minute. Trenso in the mix. For years, the Republican and Democrat parties have used social issues and crises to keep us at odds with one another. They've divided us into groups and pit each group against the other, while those in government have together collaborated to strip us of our liberty little by little. In 2009, I decided to do something about it, and the Rupert for Senate campaign was born. Government of, by, and for the people requires our participation, not as voters, but as leaders and decision makers. But the parties have made it all but impossible for real, ordinary Americans to do so. So this average American has, since 2009, worked to give the voters, at least of Ohio, a choice outside the parties. The message is simple. The Constitution protects every American equally, but it's powerless to protect itself. That's our job, and it's time we take it seriously. You can learn more about my campaign at scottrupert.com. I'm Scott Rupert, independent candidate for Ohio's U.S. Senate, and I approve of this message.
People often ask me what podcasts I listen to, you know, and I'm not listening to old episodes of my own, that is. There are many great out there. There are some that are entertaining, funny, you learn from them, they just give you a great insight you're not going to hear anywhere else. But there's one show that really comes to mind when I think of where to get your starting ground and understanding what open minds and open markets mean. It's actually the show that I listened to when I first started learning about libertarianism. It's the Lions of Liberty podcast with its host, Mark Clare. Mark and his team do excellent things, from libertarians in a living room drinking liquor to Felony Fridays. They have a great list of just amazing interviews, talking to the movers and shakers in the liberty movement. And let me tell you, if you want to get your friends who are a little apolitical or they're a little liberal or a little conservative, but they like the ideas of liberty, Mark Clare will give it to you at the Lines of Liberty. So go ahead, check them out on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes today, and check it out for yourself. I guarantee you will not regret it. Check it out today at www.lionsofliberty.com. from everything we've kind of talked about the last half hour, Heather. You and I, you know, we came into this movement from two different wings of the ideological spectrum. You came in as a liberal. I came in as a conservative. As we talk about all these things from how to message liberty to how to have conversations with people, I understand that if I'm going to talk to a conservative, I should talk about issues that conservatives talk about. When Mm -hmm. I'm talking to a liberal, maybe I should talk about issues that liberals care about. Yes. I think that could be good, but I also have a problem with the whole identity politics issue. It's the whole, oh, you could be fiscally conservative and socially liberal card. Mm -hmm. As we go on in this election cycle, and I know that the problems that we have with the state and with our politically corrupt Washington cartel, it's not going to go away after November 8th. Do you think that the best thing to do is to keep up with that more identity politics model and hopefully people will look into libertarianism themselves as they get more interested? Or do you think we just need to talk in, you know, the type of alien language that people such as Ron Paul and others have talked about? This idea that, you know, taxation is theft, the draft is slavery, the state is a monopoly of violence. How how do you think we should go about this going forward? I'm definitely a pragmatist. Uh, I'm involved here in the Libertarian Party in Washington State. You know, I was out trying to collect signatures. Uh, I'm on the Judicial Committee, uh, doing my best to help where I can get our local uh, Libertarians elected to office. And I do not think that we can move towards liberty without making baby steps. Because when we talk to, quote unquote, the average American who happened to see the presidential, libertarian presidential debate, and they hear those candidates talking about getting rid of driver's licenses or legalizing heroin, that is so extreme 
an idea for people. Whereas, well, I don't think I'm not all that happy with Gary. I do think that he is the best option at this time to get people interested because we have to be able to get that 5% of the vote to get the federal money. Oh, the anarchists are going to say, oh, welfare, federal welfare money. We don't want it. But the party will die. Yeah. As I bang my table. <laughs> yes. And it, we need to get it out there to most people do not know what a libertarian is. You know, when I was working uh, for Washington state at the welfare office, I would ask our biggest name, I guess you could argue was McAfee. Nobody knew who McAfee was and certainly nobody knew who Austin Peterson was. Um, so you have to get the idea out there. And so Gary is palatable. He is introducing those ideas. And I myself consider myself uh, a classic liberal. I, I am moving further down the rabbit hole. I'm not sure if I can ever get to full-on ANCAP or anarchist Same. anarchy because I don't have faith in people. Um, <laughs> I, I do not know how a society this large could actually, you know, so I believe in minimal government. I, I just think of like... What's that movie with Sylvester Stallone? I think it was Demolition Man. Mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. my view of the future. Something between that and RoboCop's Detroit. Yeah, yeah. It's just, So I think that in order to make those changes, we, we have to have a candidate that people can say, yeah, that sounds reasonable because people have – ideas that are, that are ingrained and you can't just say, we're going to legalize all drugs and, uh, there'll be no driver's license and, you know, Oh, uh, let's not talk about the roads. Oh my gosh. You have to just talk about the little things. Let's talk about freedom. Let's talk about privacy. Let's talk about the school system and common core. Let's talk about those things that matter to normal people. And then as they delve in, Hopefully they'll move further down the, the the liberty road. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you added some more clarity to that because for me, for me specifically, I've just been I'm gonna say kind of electorally depressed because for the longest time I said you know baby steps. I was thinking you know at one point people remember when I endorsed Ted Cruz. Then next thing you know he drops out and I'm like okay well you know Kevin McCormick. McCormick isn't a pothead. He doesn't have a criminal record. He looks like a normal person and he could speak these simple ideas eloquently and he'll be a sane option on the ballot. And then Gary Johnson and Bill Welder, the ticket and all the other craziness later. This is where we're kind of headed. And as I think about this and I'm thinking, wow, are the American voters mm -hmm. jumping behind Trump or Hillary? Are they just that freaking stupid? We have two governors on the same ballot, two successful Repu former Republican governors who got reelected by large margins in blue states, and they're saying that we're fringe. I just don't get it. And as I, you know, I did an episode with my friend Brian Sujain, and he's a former uh, candidate for House of Delegates in Virginia, and he's an active member of the Libertarian Party. As I asked him, I think maybe McAfee would have been the best chance at this point because maybe we should have had a more, you know, kind of dark horse candidate for such an insane electorate. I just, I don't, I don't necessarily know anymore. And I think it's because I'm ultimately afraid of what's going to happen the day after the election, what's going to happen within the first year of whoever gets elected. And I'm, I'm thinking Hillary at this point. 
Oh yeah, I, at this point, I'm wondering what what do you think? Are you more optimistic for liberty post 2016? Or are you pessimistic? What's your view on that? I think I am more optimistic. Uh, we have a lot uh, a lot of local uh, libertarians running uh, for state representative, lieutenant governor, commissioner of public lands. Um, so I think that getting those people elected to local offices so that maybe then they can have a track record. You can't nominate somebody for president who's the only thing on his resume is that he runs a re- that he runs a website and he was a producer on a cable network show. It just doesn't work. That's doesn't make somebody qualified. So yes, two two governors I think is our best bet. Uh, it is, you know, very mushy libertarianism, but like I said, because I'm a pragmatist that that's the way we're, we, we need to go. So I think if people get involved in their local campaigns, get behind their libertarian candidates, talk to their friends, just make it part of their narrative to make people aware of what's going on in their world. Cause our local, uh, government is actually what affects our lives. The president really is a lame duck and doesn't do much of anything. And we are most oblivious to what's going on in our city council, our county council, our, you know, and, and, and that's where I think people need to, to wake up and, and pay a lot more attention. And if we get those candidates elected, then maybe they can move up the ladder and we can have a qualified candidate in 2020. Hopefully, hopefully we'll still have elections in 2020. If we could at least get that, (laughs) And if everything doesn't turn into RoboCops Detroit, you know, I think I think I can catch on to what you're thinking, Heather. Mm-hmm. But um, and I do. I just want to add, you know, I've been saying it's going to be Hillary. I just she's going to be benign. She won't get anything done. She'll probably only do one term. And I don't think that it's going to be the end of the world, like so many people say. Yeah, and. I think I'm going to add a couple minutes to the show, but I'm just curious. This is kind of a theory I've had, and this isn't a secret, but people still are like, oh, my God, you actually think that when I say it. I think Trump ran as a Republican as a favor to the Clintons. I think he's been doing everything he can to hand this election over to Hillary. And, you know, even with his selection of Mike Pence, someone that was not going to win re-election in Indiana, someone that no one really cares about, someone that... You know, when he endorsed Ted Cruz, he basically, you know, said, I endorse him. But then he went on with his giant love letter for Trump. I think this is good for libertarians, because if, let's say, my crazy conspiracy is true, maybe Mm -hmm. this is the collapse of the Republican Party. Maybe this is the time that we see that both the Democrats and the Republicans are the same. Yeah. And I mean, I think the best thing that can happen, as I said, if we can get the 5 percent for the Libertarian Party, you know, let's get the Green Party. We need to have multiple parties like Canada or many countries in Europe where people are actually represented um, and there's accountability. There, you can't have so many backroom deals if there's many people, uh, you know, negotiating for their rep, for their constitu- constituents, you know, that because there's the two two parties, they're in cahoots with each other, they're in cahoots with the banks and big business, and then people feel powerless. And when we believe that we're powerless, then we are. And we're not. All we need to do is start paying attention, you know, start checking the box, uh, 
become more interested in what's going on in your community than you are on, you know, what the starting lineup for your local football team is. Yeah, that's, I I agree entirely. So Heather, if people want to keep up with you, follow you and the Johnny Rocket Launchpad and everything else, how can they do so? Uh, well, you can uh, check out our website. It's www.thejohnnyrocketlaunchpad.com, and that's where we post all of our episodes. Um, you can also check out my YouTube channel. Just go to uh, Heather Nixon on YouTube, and that's A Woman's Place Know It, where I do my little videos about uh, my thoughts on feminism and libertarianism. So check out my YouTube channel. And, of course, uh, I'm on Facebook, and so is The Launchpad. So please give us a like. Awesome. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute blast having you on. Thank you so much for having me. Folks, as always, let me know. Am I the only one feeling kind of uneasy about not just 2016, but what comes after that? Message me on Facebook. It's www.facebook.com forward slash Republic. And listen to the show. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, the list goes on and if you want to get that full list because i know i probably forgot something check out our website rwmartinez.liberty.me follow us on twitter i'm not gonna keep going anyway folks screw the fcc good night america i'll catch you next week stay connected to liberty's rabble rouser on facebook and twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes blogs and other available content what are you waiting for